any believer can and would be blessed to be involved in this. Uh, sometimes people are hesitant to think I can be involved in the ministry. I don't have a teaching gift. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher or preacher. It doesn't matter. If you if if you have desire and the willingness and the ability that's been sown in you to go on and help somebody else grow, you never know what the impact of that one individual is going to be. And so, and and since God sovereignly places all of us in different places, different families, different workplaces, uh, God will use that individual. And so, as we sow into them, if they grow. Uh, they'll impact more lives than they, they even know to begin with. Why should we make disciples? Did Jesus intend for disciple-making to be reserved for the professional Christian only, or does he want everyone to be involved? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you sense Jesus prompting you to get involved in investing in the spiritual lives of others but don't know where or how to start? If so, I know you'll enjoy this series of podcasts with Mr. Larry Beck. Larry is a key individual in the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators and brings years of experience in how and why we should be involved in making disciples. Today, which is the first of three podcasts, he reminds us that anyone Yes, anyone can and should be involved in this rewarding ministry. I have with me today my good friend, Larry Beck. Larry has been on the podcast before, I think. Um, it's been about a year and a half, I think, since you've been on. But Larry is a key individual with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. And I've always respected Larry very highly for his heart for individuals and his desire to see people come to know the Lord and then to grow through a discipling relationship. So as we begin this morning, Larry, I wonder if you could just again tell folks a little bit about your background, give us whatever information would be helpful, and particularly with regard to your spiritual walk and how you became involved with the Navigators. Hey, well, thank you. Um, Well, I was raised in a, what I would call a religious home. I spent several years, actually, on my uh, growing up years in religious schools, uh, memorized a lot of religious prayers, but cared nothing for God at all. Uh, when I got into college, though, I was handed a Gideon's New Testament and began to start reading it. And I thought, this is very interesting. I've never seen any of this before. And God brought a classmate into my life that started sharing Christ with me and started asking me spiritual questions to which uh, I, I resisted. Uh, I thought, who is this Jesus freak? I don't want to talk to you. Um, but he kept after me. And my last conversation with him before I believe the Lord saved me was he caught me in the library one day and he was talking to me about the Lord. And I said, his name was George. I said, George, just relax. I said, I know more about Jesus and those disciples than you'll know in your natural lifetime. I've got two uncles that were priests and aunt who was a nun. I uh, I've had 12 years of schooling. I think I got this. And he said, well, Larry, just remember Christ died to take away the guilt of all that sin that's in your life. Got it, George. Well, within a week or two, I woke up one Sunday morning with a desire to go to church. I had never had that. I went to church that morning, and before I left that church, one thing I knew, I was not right with God. And I drove away from there with tears in my face and God, look at me. What a sinful man I am. Would you please take away the guilt of all that sin that's in my life like my friend George said you would? 
Well, all that day, I began to sense something changed. I couldn't, couldn't identify it, couldn't explain it. But I laid in bed for the next three nights praying to God like I'd never prayed. I used to pray, wrote, memorized prayers. Now I'm talking as if I'm talking to you. And then I called one of my uncles and I said, hey, can you get me a Bible? And he did. And so looking back, what I see is signs of spiritual life. I had a desire to cry out to God, Abba, Father, as the scriptures say. I had a desire for the milk of the word. Um, and so I was trying to feed myself. But I went back to my friend George and said, hey, George, man, I went to church a couple of weeks ago and I prayed to God. And I said, I'm different. And he said, oh, that's good. And that's exactly where he left me. I moved to Kansas about three months later. I had no idea what happened to me. I continued to go to church some. I read my Bible some. I continued to pray some, but I was very, very spiritually anemic. I'll describe it that way. And it wasn't for another couple of years before God brought somebody into my life that started talking to me about the Lord again. And uh, He said, well, it sounds like maybe the Lord saved you back there and you just haven't been growing. And so... That relationship led to uh, a desire in me to grow, and then uh, I sat and watched one of my roommates have someone come over and spend one-on-one time with him. I'll talk more about that in a minute. And I thought, boy, I need that. I need somebody to to help me because I'm struggling in this thing I call a Christian life. And that led to a relationship with a man named Don Henry, who was on a navigator team, uh, and taking a class called Memorize the Word, and that that launched into uh, my association with the Navigators, and that's going back into like 1985. It's been many decades ago, literally. So, um, and then and from that, I thought, you know, God, I don't ever want to leave an orphaned Christian on the side of the road like I pictured myself to be. And as I've been involved in this, one of the things I've realized is that. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility in a sense. He makes disciples. Uh, he might use us to be involved in the process. I've learned that I'm kind of like a, a waiter serving tables. If if I'm trying to encourage an individual like I needed, if they'll feed me or if I'll feed them, uh, they will they will grow and uh, God will use us in that in that process. But one thing else I've learned along with that is, not everybody sees this. It takes some people a while to get this kind of a vision. And I never want to hurt or discourage anybody who doesn't see it because it, it may not be the time for them yet, or they may come around to it. But, uh, and I also have learned that it, knowing it's the spirit of God that ultimately does the work, it helps me resist temptation for pride. Like I've been meeting with this young man and he's gone off and he's doing this or that. And what I realize is, no, God's the one who's doing that. So it helps me resist my own temptation to pride. And there's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians. It says, so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God causes growth. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 7. And so I realize God's the one that's doing it. And it also helps me resist discouragement. If an individual I'm spending time with doesn't seem to pick up and take on uh, with a desire to make disciples. I've learned to, to get comfortable with that. I've, okay, it's not time for them. God hadn't revealed it to them. So uh, I've gotten more comfortable and it helps me avoid that temptation. Another thing that I've learned is really important is prayer. I cannot overemphasize that uh, in any ministry. 
but I've realized I can't change myself, and I'm certainly not going to change anybody else. Mm. God doesn't do it. It's not going to get done. And so I, I realize how important prayer is. And thirdly, if if I'm invested in the life of someone who's married, uh, or even for myself, especially my spouse, Julie, has got to be uh, share the same vision because it's going to require a sacrifice on her part or a spouse's part uh, for the one who's trying to make disciples. They're going to be away and they may get pulled into it personally. You know, I have had people in our home. I've asked Julie to help, you know, prepare meals or perhaps engage with a spouse of a man that I'm meeting with. And so it's really important that a spouse of someone who's wanting to make disciples is bought into that vision. And then lastly, um, you know, I, was encouraged to memorize the Navigator Objective years ago, and it's to know Christ in my own life in ever-increasing depth, and to make disciples and develop laborers at all times under any conditions in every place I go. And I've come to appreciate that very succinct statement to encapsulate the goal of the Christian life. And it begins to know Christ in my own life in ever-increasing depth. If that doesn't happen, you're not going to be successful in any kind of ministry. So that's where it begins. And then if the Lord uh, reveals a kind of vision that I believe that all Christians should have to make disciples and develop them, they'll go on to do things and God will use them, uh, especially if that relationship with the Lord seems to take hold. So anyway, that's a little bit of background, some prefatory thoughts about this Mm -hmm. subject. And uh, so I know you've got some questions for me. So, yeah, thank you, thank you very much, Larry. That is so helpful to hear because a lot of times we we take it upon ourselves to think we have to make it happen, both in terms of um, someone becoming a believer in the first place, as well as seeing growth. And uh, that is so so helpful for you to say that. I really appreciate that. We wanted to focus a little bit today on kind of. The getting started and the the big picture of making disciples as an encouragement to people, and uh, so I think just as a way to get started, I'd, I'd ask the simple question with a, maybe a long answer: is why should we make disciples? What is our motivation for doing that? Well, the short answer is Jesus commanded it in Matthew twenty eight: "Go therefore and make disciples." Right, um, but along with that answer, it's it's necessary. Uh, first and initially, you know, again, I'm speaking from experience, to provide nurture and guidance to a new believer uh, and help them become established in learning the essential spiritual habits that's going to help them develop their relationship with the Lord. Again, back to the NAV objective to know Christ in their own life. Uh, if I can help someone become established in that, that's going to set them on a path. That's um, going to produce an outcome, a goal. Uh, if you will. And when I started pursuing the Lord, someone gave me a book called Success. And the gentleman said the key to his success was, quote, I get up and go to the office 30 minutes before anybody gets there. I close the door and I get my Bible out and I spend the first several minutes reading God's word like he's talking to me. And then I spend the last little bit praying as I feel I'm talking to God. And so I'm I'm having this, he didn't use the word quiet time. He was just meeting with God. And I began that in January of 1984. And that's mm-hmm. when the building blocks in my mind of a 
of a Christian life that's going to have substance to it, especially if it's done most days of the week. And so to me, that's an essential thing to help a new believer especially become grounded in. And hopefully from that, they'll develop a, a vision and the capability of going to nurture someone else as well. Uh, so that's one of the first things as far as desired outcomes. Another thing that I, I have come to see that I didn't expect is as a person grows, they'll begin to develop the spiritual gift God's given them. And then they'll, they will assimilate into the church or into organizations like the navigators and God will begin to use them in that capacity because they're drawn from Christ in their relationship with him and in the Holy Spirit working through them is going to start developing that. Uh, and as a follow on to that, we actually become assistants to church leaders in, uh, if you will, equipping the saints. Uh, we're involved, you know, as you're discipling someone, hopefully, and they're growing well, uh, they will, there will be an increase in the unity of, of faith and fellowship in the body that they attend. They'll be protected to some degree from being tossed through to and fro through every wind of doctrine that may be in error. And so we can, we can actually help the leaders in churches do their job in a sense. Man, part of that, that's what they're there for is to help the saints grow. So I think one other thing that is really important as I've thought about it is to encourage people. Any believer can and would be blessed to be involved in this. Uh, sometimes people are hesitant to think I can be involved in the ministry. I don't have a teaching gift. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher or preacher. It doesn't matter. If you, if, if you have desire and willingness and the ability that's been sown in you to go on and help somebody else grow, you never know what the impact of that one individual is going to be. And so, and, and since God sovereignly places all of us in different places, different families, different workplaces, uh, God will use that individual. And so as we sow into them, if they grow, uh, they'll impact more lives than they, they even know to begin with. Hmm. And the last thing, um, at least in this one little thought, is this type of ministry should give any believer a sense of purpose and value. You know, I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be a teacher. But I can meet with my neighbor next door and help him. Hmm. Uh, and that's part of the to make disciples and develop laborers part. Um, now, another thing that I've, I've thought about a lot is this type of ministry has perhaps got the greatest potential to outlive the person involved in it. And so uh, I've thought about Jim Morris and Dick Grant, Lloyd Wilson, and Don Henry, the guys that were upstream from me. Of course, Jim and Dick are both home with the Lord now, but they will never meet a young man that's in Emporia State right now who's been meeting with several young men, one of which is wanting to go on and uh, learn how to make disciples. And so we're talking about at least six generations of believers involved, the first two of which are dead. They're with home with the Lord, but the ministry is still going on. And so it's not just those six individuals that are involved. It's their families. It's their wives. It's their children. It's the people they work with. I mean, so you touch potentially thousands of lives just by investing potentially in one individual. And I think 
you know, I know for me, I want my life to matter. When, when it's all been said and done, you know, I, I remember, I think it was, oh, uh, at one of our men's meetings, uh, Dennis Finley said, spoon feeding is of some value, but investing in the life of an individual that's faithful to go on and teach others also has more profit long term was, I think, his point. So anyway, I've taken that to heart and I, and I really see it. I've spent a lot of time studying the Bible and teaching Sunday school. But ounce for ounce, pound for pound, I'd rather meet with a man one-on-one and help him grow to go on and teach others also. I think it's more valuable. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. That's very good. I think that uh, we often get our eyes on the on the big, flashy ministries, don't we? Either the personality or uh, event, perhaps, some seminar, or even a big church or whatever. But uh, you have well, well spoken that we can impact even greater numbers of people and it's not about numbers but we can impact the world for christ just through one individual that's very encouraging the whole idea of spiritual generations i think uh, is a concept that we need to really emphasize in our ministry as you have this morning and uh, uh, commonly we may have some myopia we we see just the people around us but if we can see other people through the people that we minister to it changes our whole perspective. Spiritual Generations The Importance of Investing in the Few to Impact the Many Let's focus on the people that God has naturally brought into our lives. Let's love them, serve them, and give them the tools they need to pass along what we have been taught. Next time we'll learn about some very practical ideas on how to begin a disciple-making relationship right here on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.